Hi, I'm Beck Rayner and this is the Military Wife Life Podcast, a podcast that celebrates, empowers, supports and embraces the women behind the military men by building connections, acknowledging our strength, focusing on self-care and our mental health. Let's do this together. Want to join a bank that just gets Defence Life? Defence Bank is one of Australia's largest customer-owned banks. They have 33 on-base branches across Australia, an award-winning banking app that allows you to do all your banking, wherever, whenever. And Defence Bank offers competitive products and services tailored for ADF members and defence spouses. Visit defencebank.com.au today and see how easy your banking can be. Welcome, Renee, to the Military Wife Life podcast. Thank you, Beck. Nice to be here. If we can start by you telling us how you met your husband and how long you've been together. We met at a swing dance class back on the Gold Coast in 2001. I had previously moved to the Gold Coast for a man and I tell everyone I upgraded and got a better one. Um, but the, the whole process was I had been dating this other guy that I'd moved there for and then we'd broken up and about four hours later, I, I went to this swing dance class that I went to with my that ex-boyfriend. He was also there. And then Luke came along to the class for the first time. And at the end of the lesson, he asked me out and I was like, I've been single for literally four hours. I couldn't tell him that. And I wasn't ready to commit to anything. So I just told him, no, I won't give you my phone number, maybe next week. And sort of fobbed him off for a week or so. Um, but it did mean that Luke and I became friends before we started dating. So we had a, about a year or so of socialising at the swing dancing class and getting to know each other and becoming friends. And then we started dating and then we got married and then we had babies and it all went on from there. But um, yeah, it all started at a swing dance class. At the time, was Luke joining Defence? Was he in Defence? What was his situation? He was a carpenter. He was building boats on the Gold Coast, um, building like the, the frames for the luxury cruises. And um, back in the sort of early 2000s, that was all going really well. And then the market crashed and um, all those boat business businesses were, were going under and Luke jumped ship. But no, he didn't jump ship to the Navy. <laughs> he went for the Air Force. He had been in the military prior, before I met him, when he'd come straight out of high school, there was a Ready Reserve Scheme. And he did 12 months in the Ready Reserve Scheme back in the 90s. So he liked the Air Force. He knew the Air Force. So he decided he'd go back to the Air Force. But it wasn't something that happened straight away. You couldn't get more nine to five than a carpenter. Right, yeah, carpenter. And then, yeah. <laughs> then he's like hook, completely, line and sinkered you. Completely, and then... completely in, a, in a whole other world. So... And I, I had no idea what was coming. I, I dated a carpenter and then he went into security work and he, he was talking about wanting to do something else. He'd been talking military. He'd been talking something in that field. That's what he was looking at. He sort of explored a few ideas. And while he was trying to make his mind up, he got his security license and did some work with Armour Guard. So I got used to at least a weapon carrying husband, but the guns got to stay at work. So I didn't have to deal with them. So I'm happy with the military. They keep all their guns at work too. <laughs> it's not something yeah. I have to deal with at home. How did so, you go about him actually joining? Was it a discussion of how this will pan out for the whole family? Like what was the discussion like when he it was coming to crunch time and actually going forward with signing up? The, the big decisions all happened when I was pregnant with our first baby. Hubby wanted to find something more stable. Most people wouldn't think that a military career where you're moving every three years is a stable base, but we found it a much more stable income base because all the other work he'd done with carpentry, 
the market crashes and you lose the boat building companies, or if you're trying to do carpentry in building, if it rains, then you're out of job, out of work for the day. And even with the security work he was doing, it was, it was casual hours. So if somebody else got the contract for one of the shops, then they'd have to cut staff. So there was no stable income there. So we talked a lot about how the military, it's a much more stable salary. Like, you know what you're going to get paid you're not going to lose your job on a whim like you could with a lot of the other things he was doing. Yeah, we had a big chat about how there are a lot of changes. Like he had been in the military before, so he did have a bit of an idea of, of what to talk about, but um, he didn't want to rush into it either. So he decided to join as a reservist to start and just sort of get a feel for whether, like what's the military like now compared to what it was back in the 90s. It was a big lot of years had gone by to see if it was still something he wanted to do and if it was something that we wanted to do before the, we committed to actually moving and going somewhere. So we did about a year and a half or so in the reserves and then decided, yep, this is good, let's go for it. So it took a while to try and transfer into a full-time position. I wouldn't recommend going that way if you actually want to get in the military because with recruiting, they have certain numbers that they need to get from different sections and it's much easier to get in straight off the street than it is to be transferred sideways. <laughs> what did he end up joining as and what does that involve? Does it take him away a lot? Are there lots, lots of postings to different states involved? What's involved with his job? Well, when Luke first joined in the reserves, what he was doing just a, a general kind of job. I can't even remember what it was called now. Ground Defence Guard or something, I think. So he didn't really do anything with that during reserve. He'd just go up on a weekend and come back. And then when he got in, he was looking at the military police, what he really wanted, but they were right in the midst of a restructure. So he, he joined air movements. So that's all to do with loading and unloading the aircraft. So he thought that would be something fun to do. So that took us for our first posting up to Darwin. And then when we were in Darwin, the restructures all sort of settled down with the military police and they started recruiting again. So he applied for the police and then got into that. So then had remustered and had to go away and do his training all over again for police. And then we moved to Wagga and then now down to Sale. So we've been over most of the East Coast. It wasn't quite a straightforward path, but he's got to where he was aiming for. Did you have any expectations of what defence life would be like in those early stages? Did you know anyone? Did you have family who were in the military? Did you have anything to go by? Absolutely nothing. I'd never met anyone from the military before. I grew up in Ballarat in Victoria, which is not near any military stuff that I had anything to do with. None of my family had military ties. Anzac Day, as far as I knew, was about biscuits. Like I didn't really have much of an idea of military world at all, let alone what actually being in the military or being married to somebody in the military would be like. So I was completely blind going in, just from whatever Luke was telling me. Yeah, which sometimes isn't a lot. So, <laughs> um, so what was your actual introduction to defence life like? What were the first couple of years like? Well, to find out about it all, there was lots of Googling, lots of joining Facebook groups, <laughs> trying to figure out where I was going and what was happening. Before we moved to Darwin, all the research I was trying to do, I wanted to get an idea of what is this military life? What, what's it all about? What am I going to do? Where am I going to go? And um, I was looking for fiction books and things like that to read and I couldn't find anything because I'm an avid reader. So I love reading a story story about things it gives me a bit of a feel for the area so the best I could do was find some historical books that were set around Darwin but settling in there was really good I, I met a few people through Facebook groups as we were posting up so there was somebody who stayed in the same hotel as us that I messaged and sort of got to say hi to I found one of the um, the groups up there one of the military spouse groups they did a book club so I joined that and went along to that a few times and the other thing that really got me settled into Darwin life was the swing dancing because as I'd said before Luke and I met at a swing dancing class and that was something I really loved so I joined the swing dancing club up in Darwin 
And um, that was actually my thing. I left Luke home with the kids and I went out dancing once a week. So it was a great way to make friends and find something that was mine. Whereabouts are you posted at the moment and what sort of postings are on the cards for the next couple of years? Do you have some sort of loose plan? There's nothing concrete with defence, but (laughs) what's the future hold? Who knows at the moment? We're down in sale in Victoria. When we put in our posting preferences for this posting, I'd said Perth first and Luke said sale first. So we put Perth down, but we got sale. So I would love to go to Perth at some stage but I'm not exactly sure where things are going to go I'm really loving it here I'm half thinking of talking Luke to get out of defense and stay here because it's really nice we could stay here and bring the kids up and he could look at going reserve and we'd still have the military ties but I don't know we'll see how things go depends on what other opportunities come up for his career plans as to where he's he's trying to get with his job so mm. do you ever feel that there's some sort of barrier between you and other spouses because your husband's military police like that there's any sort of I guess hesitation for them to yeah. open up to you. Not that you know their I, partners yeah, no, have done anything wrong, but is there any sort of barriers it's, it's, that you feel? It's that general, yeah, that general paranoia that any mil- any police wife would get. Everybody feels like they've done something wrong when they haven't. So yeah, there is. I have noticed that a little bit. It's been okay. Like I haven't found that I've been excluded from anything. It's it's never been anything like that. But when when people ask and you say you you do kind of get that little oh sideways look. But I had more issues with people finding out that you were posting out at the end of the year so they wouldn't bother making friends with you because you're leaving. I found more of that attitude than issues with the military police. So that was really interesting. But yeah, there is that little slight hesitation. And how does it work with his job? Is it Monday to Friday, nine to five? Like what is it like for military police for defence? It's much better hours than the air movements. That was all sorts of shift works and loading planes in the middle of the night on a weekend and all kinds of stuff. The police is pretty much eight till 4.30 or 7.30 7.30 to 4.30 something Monday to Friday. There'll be occasionally something come up on a weekend if there's a special thing going on that they need extra security for or something like that. And do they ever get deployed or how does that work with um, exercises and deployments? Yeah, he, well, Luke was deployed when we were back in Wagga for about seven months over to the Middle East. That was through the police and he's done a few courses. He's away a lot more for courses than other things, but yeah, he's had some exercises and courses. Nine out of 10 defence spouses wish they found out about defence banks sooner. Okay, I might have just made that up and they do sponsor my podcast, but I've checked them out and I think they're worth a look just for their banking app alone. It's award-winning, has cool features like fast same-day payments, card alerts and controls, and pin change functionality, savings roundups, Apple Pay, Google Pay, Fitbit Pay, Garmin Pay, the list goes on. Oh, and if you really want to go to a branch, you can. There are 33 on-base branches across Australia. Banking as a defence spouse doesn't have to be hard. For more info, visit defencebank.com.au. If Luke was to transition out of military, do his skills transfer to regular police? Like, how does that work with his qualifications? It wouldn't transfer straight into regular military police. You'd still have to go and do all their training. It would probably help him get in if that's what he was chasing, but I'm not exactly sure what he's chasing. He's got about five trades under his belt at this point with different things that he's studied and experienced in and that sort of thing. So he's got lots of different options of things that he could do. Got a few of them up his sleeve. (laughs) He he sure does. (laughs) So do I. I've been collecting as, as we've been posting around, I've been collecting certificates and yeah. qualifications as well. What is your field of work and is it easy for you to take your job with you when you move around? How does it work? I've pretty much reinvented myself every time we've posted. When I met Luke, I was on the Gold Coast doing a few jobs and then I found something I was interested in and went and studied disability work. 
and started working in a day centre for adults with intellectual disabilities and loved that sort of work. Then when we hubby joined the military and we posted to Darwin, I was quite conscious of the fact that he was going to be away a lot and I wanted a job that would make sure that I would be around for the kids. We decided that the priority rather than, like I didn't have a real major drive for a career. This was Luke's career that he was chasing and I wanted to support him with his career. I didn't really have major career goals. I just wanted a job that I could do that would fit around the kids. So I I wanted something that I could do just during school hours. So I ended up, I did a few aged care jobs, some casual work here and there, ended up cleaning old people's houses. And then I um, met a military spouse at, at the Airmen's Ball. And she introduced me to working at one of the primary schools up there as a teacher's aide. And then I got some regular work doing that. So then I went and did my Cert 3 in school support. So I was qualified for that job. And that was great. I thought, beautiful. I'll work in schools. That fits in school hours. Um, I should be able to pick that up everywhere when I move. But when we moved to Wagga, I couldn't find anything because I didn't seem to know the right people, apparently. Nothing came through with that. So then I went back into the aged care side of things and found some casual work during school hours and got my Cert 3 in aged care. So I picked up a certificate and everything that was only a few hours during the day and I had some other time to fill so when I was up in Darwin I actually started writing books as well because like when I was before we moved up there I was looking for books that were set in Darwin and I hadn't been able to find many and I'd been looking for books with military families in them and hadn't been able to find any and I'd also um, been looking for books with swing dancing because I love swing dancing and I hadn't found them either so in the last year or so of living in Darwin I actually started writing a book about a girl in the military who was swing dancing and living in Darwin. See my breaks between shifts I'd sit in the car with my laptop on my lap at the local park and tap away and I've been yeah working on a few other books that's like a job that I can pick up and take with me anywhere so I've spent a little bit more time doing that this year because it was hard posting down to a new location just before COVID hit and um, it really threw a spanner in finding a job at a school when they're all closed but I have managed to pick up some work at the special school down here doing the teacher aid work. Do you think having that passion at the, uh, the various postings previously has helped you, I guess, not get through deployments and things like that quicker, but yeah. it's given you a focus on something else that's just for you. Well, that's what I've, I've found. It's been really good because in Darwin, I had the writing as well and I had the swing dancing. And when I moved to Wagga, there was, there was no swing dancing there. There was nothing else I could do that was me time. So I put a lot of that me time into the, into the writing. And I wrote some kids' books. I wrote some um, romance novels. I wrote some short stories and sort of played around with a few different things there. Same coming to sale. I did find somewhere to do rock and roll, which then closed down with COVID. So having that something for me that gives me some me time and, and makes me feel good. So it's yeah, it's been good for my self-confidence and to give me an interest, something to, to do and a little bit of pocket money. Yeah. And I guess on the flip side as well, you also have to have a certain focus to be able to say, I'm putting that aside now and I'm going to focus on doing that now mm. because I need to have that time for myself because in the yeah. end that fills my cup. Yeah. Sometimes it's writing. Sometimes it's then watching Netflix because even the creative well runs dry once once you've been doing that a bit, it might feed your soul, but then you need to refill that as well. So it's finding a balance. This year, it's been really hard with COVID because I've just found that it saps your motivation. Just the stress of the world, everything that's going on takes a lot of the energy that I would put into the writing. So I haven't done as much writing this year as I'd planned to. What has it been like moving to sale? Because I think sometimes sale is like Darwin, you either love it or you hate it and you either want to stay, <laughs> you want to go. So what has it yeah. been like going to sale? Well, Darwin was the place we wanted to go because it was too hot, but sale, we want to stay. We love it. I grew up in, in Ballarat, so I grew up in a Victorian country town. I've always loved the country town feel. 
I did want to go to Perth, but only because I wanted to go to Perth while the kids were young enough that we could leave Perth and they wouldn't want to stay behind and I could get them back to the East Coast. I was a bit worried about doing it when they're older because they'd make friends and then leave me. We don't have a home base. My family's spread around the place and his family's spread around the place. So there's no town that feels like home. So there's nowhere that we're aiming to get back to or to, to go to to be near family because everyone's all over the place. At the different locations, have you made use of any of the spouse support or you mentioned that you went to a ball and ended up making a yeah, contact yeah. for work? Yeah, I, like... got a, I got a job from the Airman's Ball. Yeah, so <laughs> that how... That worked out really well. And a good friend who she also posted to Wagga. So we stayed in touch as we posted around to similar places as well. How important do you think it is to get involved with the community house or go to the different functions to build those networks and to, you know, have that support? I found it really important. You need some sort of network. In Darwin, actually, my biggest network was more the swing dancing in Darwin. But um, in Wagga, I went to the ranch, RAF Army Navy Community House, that's the letters. I found that was great. It was a great way. They had morning teas on. So before I found work, I was able to pop in there during the day and just catch up with people and it was actually really nice to drop my kids at school and go there because everybody else had these little children and when somebody yelled mummy it wasn't for me I got to just drink a cup of coffee and chat it was actually quite refreshing to go along to a thing that was still small children family based um so I got to meet a few people there Uh, one of the ladies I met there she mentioned to me she goes would you be interested in singing in a choir and I'm like yeah I'm up for that and then she started up the military wives choir in Wagga while I was there. So the Military Wives Choir has been spreading, slowly spreading around Australia and popping up in all the different locations. So I got to join the one in Wagga from the day it started. And I found that was, a, that was fabulous. I really enjoyed being part of the choir. It was a great place to go where it was about me. It wasn't about the husbands. It wasn't about the serving members. That gave me a connection to make friends in a town before I arrived. So I turned up in sale with some ready-made friends and somewhere to go to to hang out with people until COVID hit and then that all went online too. (laughs) What was it that initially pushed you to access that support or gave you the confidence to walk into that room or that community house? Like what was it that, you know, you told yourself that, you know, whenever you Mm. go to a new location or especially defence, you want to make those connections and and get that support, but it, it can be really hard making that decision and pushing yourself to actually go to a coffee morning Mm. or to the community house? Well, I just wanted to meet some people. Just anyone. Just anyone. Just some other conversation. Just some other women that could talk about something. And and it's nice to go to a military thing because people get it. They get your life. They get where you're coming from. When you talk to the school mums, it's different. I I found it always a bit awkward at the school. I sat at the school um, drop-off and pick-up for probably the good first six months. I sat by myself over on the other side and didn't talk to anyone. I didn't make eye contact and I just sat there all quietly. But yet I would go to the coffee meeting. I don't know why I felt more confident with that. But I ended up making some of my best friends at the school pickup when my son dragged me over to meet one of the mums in one of the other groups to see if he could organise a play date and got talking to her and her hubby was training. He was joining the military and she introduced me to another friend whose hubby was in the military And so I ended up making some of my best military spouse friends at the school pickup, (laughs) but then they'd often come along to the other things as well. And I got to see people around the place. That initial thing was, it was partly about, well, last time I got a job in Darwin from meeting military spouses. So when I was looking for work, I thought, well, I'll hang around the military groups and people might know somebody that knows somebody that something's going on. It's a good way to, to make contacts like that. So there was a bit of that selfish reason going in there, but I did make some friends and talking to people. 
What support or information do you wish was offered when you were a new spouse or what could have been provided when you were just a new spouse? Maybe a list of acronyms, <laughs> what they all mean. I don't think I would have been able to learn it anyway. You have to, it's like a new language. You've yeah. got to learn it by living it. <laughs> and actually when you first start out, you think yeah. I'm never going to get this. And then all yeah. of a sudden you look back and you're like, wow, I know exactly what my husband just said. And yeah. literally anyone else would not understand any of that. I know. And, and Pac-Man isn't just that little green, that little yellow thing with a mouth that goes around in a video game. Like, although exactly. when you search for it on the internet, cause you can't find the, you forgot where the link is. You have to write military. Otherwise you do just get all of these little yellow guys. <laughs> <laughs> and what about mental health wise? How do you look after your mental health? Um, chocolate, wine, bath, books, <laughs> probably audio books the most because it's a great way to tune out the kids and the noise and the background and just sort of disappear into my own world. So an audio book in the bath with a glass of wine was a really great combination last weekend. <laughs> and what have you learned along the way about being a defence spouse and any tips or any advice you can give to others that might just be starting on this journey of um, defence life? This current deployment probably gives you a bit of an idea. Nothing is final till it's actually happened. So he's not home until he's actually home. Like he's supposed to be home so many times and so many things change all the time. So like you've got to make plans, but you've got to have backup plans and then backup plans to the backup plans and things will change. So you just got to roll with it. You can't, I don't know, you've got to adjust your expectations of what's actually going to happen when somebody says this is going to happen. It doesn't mean it will. Luke went from being from deploying overseas to not deploying overseas six times in one day and then he didn't go um, while he was on pre-deployment training. So there's big things that can happen, but you, yeah, it doesn't happen until it happens. <laughs> so you've got to, got to have an open mind. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Renee, and sharing your journey as a spouse. No worries. It was good to talk to you, Beck. I so hope you are able to relate or take something away from today's episode. There are definite ups and downs to military life, but let's get the conversation happening so we can see that we are all in this together. We are all just doing our best. So until next week, you got this. Let's do this together one day at a time. Thank you so much for tuning in. If this episode has touched you, helped you, or given you that extra confidence to keep going, to continue to hold down the home front, to continue to do all the things, I would so appreciate it if you could pop into Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the podcast and leave a review, a comment about what you would like to hear more of, or just some encouraging words. If you want to suggest a guest, I am always looking for new people to talk to. You can do that by jumping over to the website www.militarywifelife.com.au and clicking on our podcast page. I would love to hear from you. 